Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend Eric, the Sigourney Weaver to my James Cameron. Eric, how are you? I understood that reference. Is this two in a row? Is this a I record? Think, I think this is two in a row. Is this um, what we call a winning streak? <laughs> so my name is Patrick. You can follow along with my movie watching on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey. And I know last episode I swore up and down that I would never have Eric on the show again. But he's back. He's strong. He couldn't contain me. He's actually uh, being held at virtual gunpoint. Yes, yes. But uh, I'm going to do my best to make it a good episode with this threat over over hanging overhead, the sword of Damocles. You better. I don't know what that is. Is it a gun? So, it's 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 definitely not a gun. But uh, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about some movies. Eric, have you seen any uh, good movies? You, you I, skipped an episode, well, so I hope there's more than one. Good. Okay. I don't know. I've been I've watching Christmas movies, so I am in my realm oh, of cool. Christmas, terrible Christmas movies. I don't know. I just love them. Um, mm. So I've seen a bunch. Home Alone. Okay. I just watched Home Alone yesterday, I think that was, or two days ago. Mm. I'm, I'm How's it hold lost. up? Great. I personally would love to talk about the fan theory that Kevin McAllister grows up to be Jigsaw. Because I am pretty <laughs> sure I, I subscribe to that theory. I I mean, I, I've i heard of it. I haven't seen the evidence, but it just it makes sense on the surface. Is there anything I, deeper besides the concept? I'm not an expert, mm-hmm. but I just feel like the Wet Bandits gave him a taste for bloody vengeance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just it adds up. Okay, yeah, I I could believe it. Did you uh did you watch any of the sequels? Home Alone. I did again? not. No. Home Back Alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Home Alone: The Return Inning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I wonder point, how the others hold up. Child Protective Services has to like <laughs> do something, right? Right. Well, isn't Macaulay Culkin only in the first two? Is the third one with other people? Doesn't his brother take over the mantle at some point, or his cousin, or whoever Kieran Culkin is? <laughs> I don't. I don't know to be some honest. Kind but of there's... skin shifter, perhaps. Uh, more more research needs to be done, which I'm going to do right now because I know that like Scarlett Johansson was in one of them. Really? Yeah. I don't know if she was the main uh, child that was left home alone, <laughs> but <laughs> she was definitely in it. Home Alone 3, I believe. Um, yeah, there's a lot of these. Wow. Home Alone it's like, 1, it's like American Pie. You know, people only really know about the three. The fourth, if you count American Reunion, which was straight trash. But there's like <laughs> 50 American Pie movies. Yeah, exactly. So Home Alone 3 is just completely different family, completely different kid. And Scarlett Johansson is the kid's sister. The kid, Alex D. Linz, child actor, hasn't done much since the uh 90s uh then they had home alone 4 starring a completely different kid um although kevin McAllister is in it it's just played by a different actor wow oh this is, is it supposed to be hole. you know what they should bring this back and really make a dark home alone sequel i think with macaulay Did- culkin today Right, he look, he looks like a crazy man today. He so. does. He looks like he's seen some shit, or you know, perhaps put people through bloody obstacle courses. I don't know. Yes, yes. How much flesh could you put on the scale in order to survive? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, they already did a a, a gritty Home Alone remake. Mm-hmm. Saw, Saw one through twenty seven. <laughs> Right. Remember uh, Dial Code Santa Claus, the French movie we watched? Yeah, uh, that was yeah. <laughs> that was made before Home Alone. That one I would recommend to anybody who wants to see a weird Christmas movie. Yeah, I mean, I still like it, though. I still like Home Alone. Mm-hmm. Have you revisited any other childhood classics? Or uh, Yes, I did, and it was terrible. Um, oh. The Santa Claus was really bad. Oh, wow. That was almost... The pick I was going to watch for today's episode, so I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I um, I just have nothing good to say about it. It was weird. It was weird. Is the good. the CGI was so bad, and oh, I couldn't it had believe CGI in it. 
Yeah, there there were all these shots of Tim Allen getting sucked into fireplaces and stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. And it was just like I don't know. It they they took it and it was almost like they ran each frame through Photoshop to make oh, wow. this like really terrible warpy effect. So here's my question. Is the CGI better than those transitions from the from uh, home improvement TV show that they did in between the scenes. They had those like I don't remember CGI those. transitions. I, <laughs> I was a big fan of a home improvement, but I just don't remember those. Okay. Well, Tim Allen loves bad CGI, I guess. And cocaine. Right. Right. But then after the cocaine, he got into toy story, which is great CGI. So I guess it evens out. Yeah, <laughs> I guess somehow that works. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I, I watched some Christmas movies. I watched a Stone Cold classic that I had never seen before. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, you know, yeah. that's one of those movies that I know I have seen it, but I don't think I've... It's always been background noise. Right, right. It's well, like always on the TV or whatever. Yeah, it's like been on in Christmas in my house all the time, but I've never actually sat and watched it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I th- it was great. Um, Frank Capra, oh. 1946. <laughs> what was that? Was that your Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> yeah, that was like Jimmy Stewart, but it also almost sounded like Kung Fu. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, everyone knows what It's a Wonderful Life is about. I, I, I will just say if if you haven't seen it or you've just seen it in parts, it really is a great movie to just watch, sit and watch all the way through. All the sort of um, holiday, Christmas, feel good movie tropes came from this. I mean, a lot of them and just watching it you're like oh that's where that comes from oh that's where that line comes from oh, that, that's where that scene comes from that's where that character comes from and it's just it's it's very fulfilling life affirming all that good stuff just a solid solid movie so really enjoyed it sounds like a real downer yeah <laughs> i i um i i watched another classic ho- hollywood christmas film called i'll be seeing you 1944, this one, um, directed by William Dieterle, starring Ginger Rogers and Joseph Cotton and Shirley Temple as a teenager. And it is, uh, so get this plot for the 40s. This woman, convicted of manslaughter, is in jail for many years. And she gets out in jail on like a furlong to celebrate Christmas with her family. So she goes by herself on a train back to a small town. And on the way, she meets this soldier with PTSD and they have a little love affair, but she doesn't tell him that she's about to have to go back to prison. So he spends, you know, the time with her and her family falling in love. And then, you know, you just know the hammer is going to fall and then she's going to figure out she's a convicted criminal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's just a very sweet movie. There's no real conflict besides what I just described. Everybody in the movie is good. Even uh, Ginger Rogers, who uh, killed someone in self-defense. I was going to say, I feel like in those times, uh, women could get convicted of manslaughter for like serving the eggs too cold. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Who knows in the forties, but, uh, yeah, it's just very sweet. Everyone in the movie is is a good person, which it's. I think it's hard to pull off a movie where everybody is really good, like a good person, and not make it boring. But yeah, it's got that yeah. old Hollywood I got charm. Or so. just listening to you say that sentence. <laughs> yes. Well, I recommend it. It's a sweet movie, but it's not like it's. It's a Wonderful Life is a great movie. I'll be seeing you is like just a sweet, mm. solid little Christmas film. Yeah. So. Yeah, I saw something new. Like new, new, Ooh, new, new, like a theater uh, new. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's in the theater, but it's on uh, insert ad for Apple Plus streaming. Oh, okay. um, Spirited, the 2022 musical tour de force starring Will Ferrell <laughs> and uh, Ryan Reynolds as himself, probably as himself. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, like always, why would they play yep. other people if you could be Ryan Reynolds? Why wouldn't you just be Ryan Reynolds? I, I mean, that is very true. That's why it works for him. I, yeah. I've seen, I've heard of this movie. I'm sure it was very pleasant, but what did you think? It is a musical. I loved every minute of it. It was oh, so wow. weird. It was a meta. It was a Christmas carol of a Christmas carol. So basically, <laughs> these people do, they Christmas carol somebody every year. I don't even know if they call it that. 
but they, um, <clears throat> you know, redeem a soul every year. And it's, this is Will Ferrell has been doing this for, he's been up for retirement, which in their world is kind of a cool concept. They get to go back and be human again. So he's like uh, a ghost of Christmas past future. He's the ghost of, of Christmas people? present. I believe okay. if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's one of the three ghosts and they, they do this and they, they make it like a stage production every year where mm-hmm. it comes off like a show, you know? Mm-hmm. So then uh, he really pushes to get Ryan Reynolds. They're going to do somebody else, but Ryan Reynolds has been deemed unredeemable or whatever. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can't do him, but they decide to do him anyway. It's really fun. It's funny. It's cute. The music's um, good. Yeah, pretty. I mean, it's, it's what you would expect from a Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds musical. Okay. If that makes okay. sense. So yeah, yeah, if you like their style of comedy, maybe blended together, then yes, I think you will like the songs. So yeah, Will Ferrell is always hit and miss with me. Uh, it depends. And Ryan Reynolds, I like his style, but sometimes it just gets really old and it depends on the movie. So this one sounds like it could work. Agreed. You know, like I really like it. It is corny. Yeah. It's corny, but like it's supposed to be. And it leans mm-hmm. into those tropes and it's very... Mm-hmm self-aware okay cool all right maybe i'll check that out i'll have to buy yeah. apple tv whatever plus stuff that apple tv plus supreme all right optimum <laughs> oh. uh so i don't have anything any other movies to talk about i don't know about you you have anything i have one more oh let's hear uh, it. i watched krampus the horror movie the horror movie anytime you can take like a genre that's already like its own tiny micro genre, but then mm-hmm. make another micro genre on top of it. Like the movies we're going to be talking about tonight. I just yeah. love it. So like Christmas action movies, Christmas mm-hmm. horror movies. Like I just right. love those. Like, I don't know what a word is that's smaller than a micro genre, but like, like that. Right. <laughs> um, Sub genre. I don't know. Yeah. I get, what what you, I get what you're saying. A nano genre, if you will. I think that's smaller. Uh, I just love it. And and this is one of my favorite examples of a movie that's so great. It is about this family and they're all like a lot. It's so cliched Christmas movie, but then it takes a turn into horror because. <laughs> that was my alarm to start the podcast, but now we're early, so. Why don't you pick up where you left off? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Maybe I'll just leave that in. Um, so, yeah, anyway. What? Oh, so this... Um, the whole family is just full of jerks. It reminded me a lot of the beginning of Home Alone, where everyone is kind of dumping on Kevin, but... In this movie, the main character is not a jerk like Kevin was. He's just like this sweet little kid who's probably too old to still believe in Santa, but he does anyway. And then, you know, in his rage over getting treated like crap, he uh, tears up his letter to Santa and, you know, disavows his love for Santa. So Krampus comes. There's a big blizzard. This Krampus comes. All of the creatures I found out were designed by the Weta Workshop. So Lord of the Rings. They are like really creepy elves and the creepy Krampus, like this horned Santa Claus figure. Mm -hmm. And it's basically your favorite kind of movie. It's people stuck in a place because they're surrounded by this blizzard and these like evil little creatures. There are these great gingerbread men CGI who I found out one was voiced by Seth Green, even though they just make little weird noises. Um, He's good at that noise. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it was just wonderful. And I loved the end, even though I found out that I've been um, interpreting it. I believe the director said very nihilistically, but it ends uh, with the family, you know, the classic, Oh, we learned our lesson and we're all safe. But then it zooms out of they're stuck in a snow globe. Oh, okay. And the, the way the director would like you to interpret the ending is that the Krampus has given them a second chance and they are just watching over them. But I take it as a, a very twilight zone ending of no, they're trapped in the snow globe now. Yeah, very literal. <laughs> That's cool. I love people trapped in a place. I've added it to my watch list. So I have can- you never seen Krampus? I've never seen this one. No, I've seen oh, his other movies. Trick it's or Treat amazing. Godzilla, Adam Scott, but- David Koechner, uh, mm-hmm. 
Tony Collette. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's got a good cast. I'm intrigued. It's a solid movie for what it is. Cool. Maybe a little long. Maybe a little long at one point, but it's ninety-eight minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm still, uh, you know, it's still Christmas spirit over here. Still plenty of time to to watch more uh, Christmas nano genres of movies. Yeah. Yeah, I'll add it. Uh, well, our main movie for today is a Christmas movie. Is it time to talk about that? It, do we have to? <laughs> uh, previews of our opinions, maybe. Well, as listeners may know, in this podcast, we pick a movie to watch together, and we talk about that, and then we each watch a movie inspired by that film. And the movie that we picked for this wonderful Christmas episode was Santa with Muscles from 1996, directed by John Merlowski. Hulk Hogan plays Blake Thorne, a health supplement magnate who spends his days beating up his servants and running from the local police for playing paintball. During one of these runs, he loses his memory while dressed as Santa Claus and is convinced he is the real Kris Kringle by mall elf Don Stark, the neighbor from that 70s show. Meanwhile, crazed supervillain Ed Begley Jr. and his gang of mad scientists are trying to close down the local orphanage to get to the juicy diamonds beneath it. Seriously. (laughs) The only thing who can stop him is Blake Thorne. I mean, Santa Claus. I mean, Santa Claus with muscles. So what what did you think of this movie? I'm so glad you just explained it to me because I had literally <laughs> no idea what was happening for good portions of this movie. I don't. Uh, those weren't diamonds. They, they were. They were like of, weird crystals. No, okay. I don't know. <laughs> this movie was terrible. <laughs> I did enjoy watching it, but this might be the. Uh, worst judgment over what kids would want to see in a movie since like George Lucas decided the Phantom Menace should be about a trade dispute. Right. right. (laughs) This was so, I had no idea what the Ed Begley character wanted or Mm -hmm. was doing. Like he's just until later he's buying land. He's (laughs) but like forcing people to sell him land in the most Mm -hmm. cartoonishly evil way as possible for a cause that, they never and I, I kept thinking, did I miss something? Why is he doing this? Why is he torturing this poor shoe store owner? Right, or and they never explain it until like the last act, very close to the end. Yeah, and then you're just like, so why is there a vault? Uh, can we start the the plot synopsis? I yeah, guess. Yes. Yeah. Let's that, do it. Okay. So so where I mean, do you, you want just to start? Did, like a synopsis. <laughs> yeah, and that's just an overview. I don't know. Hulk Hogan, I guess, is supposed to be evil. This had like two different movies at the same time. Right. Yes, very much so. Hulk Hogan was, like, feels like a bad guy at the beginning because he's just this of. rich. He's like this rich a hole guy who's yeah. just causing havoc and uh, throwing around his money and his muscles, and you know, just causing trouble for the local community. Pretty full of himself. Very bad actor, <laughs> which surprised yeah. me. I thought I, he'd have some screen presence considering his career, but no, I think that was how this was directed. This was like an adult movie plot involving complex, like real estate law (laughs) and whatever, but told like a kid's movie because how that's how everyone acted in this. And some of these actors, like I, not that I would say Hulk Hogan is, uh, academy or even golden globe award material right. but like i've seen him in other things and he was fine you I've know he's seen got him in, in a movie i've only seen him as like rocky three hogan yeah i guess that's true but do, he, I, he wasn't well, hulk hogan thunderlips thunderlips yes <laughs> <laughs> but you know i think you can make the argument that acting in the wwe having to do that live is you know it's a different style of acting but it's right. challenging and i've seen him in things briefly no holds barred great movie oh uh, where he didn't act so just cartoonishly over the top ridiculous okay okay so that's that's interesting because i i thought that you know he's a great wrestler i've loved him when i was a kid he definitely has presence and i just thought it didn't translate to the screen so maybe it, it has to do with the direction and his the writing that's my assumption 
And this was okay. like told for laughs for children in a movie that children would never understand because I barely understood what was happening. <laughs> right. And you're kind of a child. I am somewhat <laughs> intelligent sometimes. <laughs> right. No, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, I had to. You had to really pay attention because the plot moves around. Like you said, it feels like multiple movies. So we we follow this character uh, for a while, and he gets in this running with the police, and then he's running from the police. And uh, Clint Howard is the cop, by the way. Love Clint Howard. <laughs> yeah, always great to see him. And they they chase him into a mall, and he finds a Santa suit on a rack while running in the corridors behind the stores. And meanwhile, in the mall, the mall Santa is missing, and all the elves and the woman who works at the mall are like, "Where is Santa?" And we never figure out where he is. I guess, right? That never no. came up. No, but uh, a, an accident befalls uh, Hulk Hogan, and he. This falls was one of my favorite scenes because the cops chase oh, yeah. him, and it's then. Better. Uh, he, he had just changed into this Santa outfit, so they don't recognize him, but he has this conversation with the cops. It's like a classic thing that happens in like spy or heist movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and the cops start to walk away, but then they see that he was wearing this camouflage outfit to play paintball in and they see that he walks away and just a whole pant leg is sticking out of the back of his santa pants <laughs> right like how'd so, that work <laughs> so they're like hey that was him and he turns a corner and then they can't find him but his hands are like sticking out of the ledge of his <laughs> he's, shoot. And he's it's like literally his... hanging right next to them like they needed to just turn slightly to the left and they'd see him i would argue they would have just seen his hands when they turned the corner that he <laughs> <That> is, yes <laughs> just like oh so yeah the uh, guy the, there's a janitor on the floor above him emptying trash down this chute and i think does he get hit by a santa claus or something he gets hit by yeah some christmas decoration falls down and is knocked out uh, with a head yes. injury, awakens without any idea of who he is. But luckily, Bob Pinciotti from that 70s show <laughs> yes. is there. And he apparently, there's actually a third movie inside these two movies inside this one movie. Oh, yes. Because yeah. he is like a gambling addict or something, right? Mm-hmm. He he owes, he owes the main bad guy money. Begley Jr. For reasons. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not sounds explained. like gambling or something mm-hmm. um so luckily he knew that paul paul hogan. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very different hogan we'll get to paul hogan sometime on this podcast we'll Not get today. you paul hogan don't worry <laughs> <laughs> he knew that hulk hogan was going to be at the bottom of this trash chute and that lady from before the lady mall employee offered $50 to whoever could find her Santa Claus. Yeah. And he just waited there for him at the bottom of the garbage. Chute. I thought I, I, I didn't get that impression. I thought he just stumbled upon him accidentally. Like but, he was wandering the corridors looking for Santa. Oh, I thought he was just sitting there when Santa fell down the chute. It's possible. He was just sitting there. I don't think he was waiting. For Santa. <laughs> 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 oh man. I, I, I like my interpretation. I, I mean, who knows what they were going for. With but the way this finds, movie is told. <laughs> he finds Blake Thorne knocked out. He knows who he is. And then when he realizes Blake Thorne has some money in his wallet and doesn't know who he is, he uh, does the long con where he's like, no, you're actually Santa Claus. The real Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it, it was the, well, not the 80s. It was the 90s and, you know, yeah. amnesia. You always get amnesia. Of course, of course. But my, what was hilarious to me was that he didn't convince him that he was a mall Santa, which was, I thought, what was going to happen. Which would he be reasonable. He convinced him that he was actually Santa Claus. And, and, Hulk Hogan just kind of goes with it. It's like, oh, I guess I am Santa Claus. I'm wearing this outfit. <laughs> Why else would I be wearing these clothes if I weren't Santa? Yes. All right. I guess I should go back to the North Pole. Or, <laughs> 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 or this orphanage that I became obsessed with. <laughs> yes. Which there are reasons for that later, which blows my mind. <laughs> I, I don't know why that happened. So basically so, the rest of the movie happens. 
And yes. it turns out, uh, I mean, I think that's pretty much it, right? Like he well, becomes well, obsessed he, with this orphanage, and yeah, so so he gets to the orphan orphanage because he was pretending to be Santa Claus and realized that the orphanage needed help because Ed Begley Jr. with Mila Kunis, yes, Ed Begley Jr. is trying to take over the orphanage. Mila Kunis is one of the the three kids that still live there, <laughs> and he's and he kind of just hangs out at the orphanage trying to help him out. Thinking, yeah. I must stress this, thinking he is the real, actual Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. With muscles. Yes. Because there uh, are some fight scenes. I right. Guess. So that's kind of the movie. Yeah, it's for, well, that's the main thrust of the movie is Ed Begley Jr. and his mad scientist trying to take over this orphanage and kick for out diamonds. That... And he is yeah. allergic to everything or a germaphobe? Yeah, some sort of germaphobe. He, I guess. He wear... I he wears a suit, Why? like a hazmat suit, when he goes out in public. There's, there was like a weird. There's so many weird things in this movie that just don't add anything. Like those mad scientist characters, the three yeah. scientists, the geologist, and the oh, the the physicist. They, they're like horrible supervillains. I don't yeah. know how to describe it. They're, they're, the one girl has like the electric powers. The other guy is just flipping weird. The guy stench powers. <laughs> smelly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like so absurd. It was it's, very it, absurd. It reminds me of a story that I heard when I saw Frank Kennenlotter live uh, introduced Frankenhooker, one of my favorite movies. And he was talking about how he was pitching a movie he wanted to make to the studio and they didn't like it. So he was like, all right, how about this other movie? And he, and he started making up the movie as he went during his pitch. You know, he made up the movie, the plot points of Frankenhooker just live. And this movie kind of felt that way of someone who was just a little off the wall, just kind of making up stuff as they went along. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh... <laughs> so the big twist at the end is that it turns out uh, Blake Thorne eventually gets his memory back and decides to be a good person and help the orphanage still. But after that, he finds out that he was a member of this orphanage as a child and best friends with Ed Begley Jr.'s character, who was also in the orphanage. And why? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Did he have amnesia the whole time? Like, what How did he forget the hell that? He was going on? They show him a picture, and he's like 10 years old. And he's like, is that me? Yes, you were 10 years old. You don't remember? <laughs> like, I want to know what happened to him. Yeah. He just became, like, was he never adopted and just blocked out the first 18 years of his life and woke <laughs> right. up a millionaire, like a supplement company tycoon? What the yeah. hell? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, backstory that is not explained that I don't know if they had any idea. Usually, if you don't explain like the backstory, I <laughs> should have a history, but they don't recognize each other at all. Yes. <laughs> like, does Ed Begley also have amnesia? Because I don't feel like I remembered him like recognizing Hulk Hogan. No, there's a scene where he's where where Blake Thorne is explaining to Ed Begley's character, like, "What happened to you? We used to be friends," and and then you can see the realization dawning on Ed Begley's face that he's like, "Oh yeah." You're that kid that I used to be friends with. So, like, did you not know your best friend grew up to be a millionaire who lives in the same town as you do? <laughs> I don't. I, yeah. It is so wildly insane. Yes. So, I, I think we've covered how, like, insane and weird the movie is, but it didn't feel, like, fun insane to me. It was not no, a fun it was... experience. I feel like if you watched this movie in 20 minute segments, it would probably be pretty fun. Yeah. Like a super, but watching the whole hour and 40 minutes or whatever, it is mm -hmm. a slog. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. pretty, it's so bad that it's funny, but then it just keeps being that bad and not in like a novel, unique way. Mm -hmm. Like every time you watch the room, there is something weird and different. Yes. That is mm -hmm. bad. That you mm -hmm. get to enjoy. This is just that same level of mediocrity and awfulness mm -hmm. for the entire runtime. Yes, yeah, it does. It lacks that that spark that makes it like a good bad movie. 
and it's unfortunate because it seems to have the ingredients for one. Yeah, like I want somebody to remake this movie with The Rock. Right, right. Or like someone <laughs> who has Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 80s or 90s would have been phenomenal in this role. Yeah. If you had a competent director. Like I don't even know that it's – I mean the script is is weird. Kids don't care about this weird diamond gem thing. These right. exploding gems that if you sing, why is there a vault in the basement of <laughs> the, the orphanage with a combination mm-hmm. that only Hulk Hogan knows? Why right. – what was the combination? They never told us that. There's this scene where the kids know. They never explain how the kids figured out the first three numbers of this combination mm-hmm. lock to right. get into the vault that has the gems that are mm-hmm. what? Um, <laughs> but but then Hulk Hogan just like gets this look on his face and he knows the last two numbers and they never tell you what they are or why he knows them. Uh, yeah, I guess because he used to go there and all kids know the numbers. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make explained. any sense. That's the thing. Yeah. You're just like, but wait, what is this? Mm-hmm. Why why, why are you being like this movie? Please. <laughs> I want to like you. Why? I, that's the thing. I want to like you. That's what I felt too. And we were, Candy and I were watching it. We were just constantly comparing Hulk Hogan to Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're like, you know, if Arnold was in this movie, it would have been much more watchable. He has screen presence he could have done something with this material yeah could, uh, screen presence i think that he would have had like you know whoever the guy is that comes in and goes over the script and works his lines mm-hmm. you know would it would have would have inserted some more personality maybe there would have been a more competent director attached to mm-hmm. to figure out a tone that worked for this movie i don't know yeah yeah because like we said there were two at least two maybe three if you throw in the gambling problem elf uh, movies in here. There was the the self redemption story arc of the guy, like Hulk Hogan's character, you know, right. learning about the meaning of being a good person. But right. then there's also like the thing in the holiday movies of like the Grinch character who just wants to steal Christmas or ruin these kids' lives in the orphanage for the diamonds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it was weird to have both of those in the same movie. And then like each kid had their own story, kind of of like you know why what they want to do out of the orphanage as that the young boy in the orphanage, who's like, you know, just mad about Christmas because he's an orphan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like he has a little story arc too. And the little girl has a story arc. This is, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. None of which is any good. None of it. It is a movie full of excess. And that's coming from a Hulkamaniac. <laughs> do you know, here's a tidbit. Do you know who produced this movie? Uh, if you say Dino De Laurentiis, I'm going to jump off a cliff. No, it was produced by, tell me if this name rings a bell, Jordan Belfort. Oh my God, no. <laughs> the, the Wolf the, of Wall Street made this the movie? The Wolf of Wall Street, yes. The Wolf of Wall Street produced this movie. <laughs> it's got to be some like tax write-off You know what? Scheme. I am glad he went to jail now. <laughs> He deserves right. to be in jail just for Santa with muscles. Can we add time onto his sentence? Is he still in jail? Can we get him back? Uh, no, he's a motivational speaker now. He's good. He's out. He should do a whole series of talks just on his experience about Santa with muscles. I know, right? I, I, it's had to Nobody cares about the stock life. trading stuff. We all know those people are shitheads. Tell us about Santa with muscles. <laughs> yes, yes. Martin Scorsese, why is this not in Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> we need a scene where he's like, <laughs> quick, we need, to hide a, we need to hide a million dollars. What do we do with it? <laughs> Call uh, Hulk Hogan. We need to yeah, get Hogan <laughs> on the board. <laughs> we need a real American. Oh, my God. By the way, um, my favorite part of this movie was Hulk Hogan's hair in the beginning. Yes. When it was like supposed to be, I think, 90s business hair. He's still got his weird mustache, but he's got this like combed, slicked back kind of hair. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, what? who is this weird human being? I know we want the wild-haired Hulk Hogan, man. Um, one other thing: Do you think that Mila Kunis and Don Stark ever talk about this movie on that '70s show? I think they probably made very awkward eye contact the first day <laughs> on set and just like uh, non-verbally agreed to never speak of this again. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yep. All right. I think uh, I can give you my rating now. I gave it a one out of five. 
Yeah, I I would say for the first 20 to 30 minutes, I was like a 3.5 of 5, and then <laughs> just it just ground me down to, to probably a 1.5. Okay, yeah. Maybe a 2. I might watch parts of this again because parts were funny, but mm-hmm. right. I would just like need a super cut. A 20-minute super cut on YouTube would be great. Right. All right. Well, that was Santa with Muscles. So uh, do you want to go first today, Eric, with your inspiration? Yeah. So I wanted to watch um, more of Santa kicking ass. But I don't know if you can tell at home, I have a little bit of a, a cold and I decided to be a responsible member of the public and not go to the movies to see Violent Night, unfortunately, yes. which I really, yeah. really want to see. Have you seen it? I have not, but I was thinking you might have watched wanted to see that one. Too. I really did. I really did. I just couldn't couldn't be so selfish. So I saw Fat Man from 2020. <laughs> I never even heard of this one. You've never heard of it? Fat Man? F-A-T-M-A-N. It is, uh, well, I'll just read you the IMDb. Yeah. A rowdy, unorthodox Santa Claus is fighting to save his declining business. Meanwhile, Billy, a neglected and precocious 12-year-old, hires a hitman to kill Santa after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking. Wait, what? <laughs> it is. I'm just laughing because it's absurd. I'm, I'm interested. It is absolutely absurd. It's directed by... Esham and Ian Nelms, who are also the writers, starring Walt Mel Gibson. Oh, okay. And okay. yeah, that that's the only unfortunate part about this film to me is that it starred mm-hmm. Mel Gibson, and I really just wanted it to be. Um, oh my god! I, this is someone a little more uh, Kurt Russell. I really wanted it to be oh, Kurt, okay, Russell, Kurt Russell, but it was Mel Gibson. Um, and Walton Goggins, who plays the hitman, he needs a fan club. I would watch Walton Goggins in anything. He's great. I'm going to start a Reddit dedicated to him. If it doesn't already exist, I don't know. I just love him and everything he's in. So he's the hitman who also has a history and a vendetta against Santa Claus because he had a crappy Christmas when he was a childhood or Mm -hmm. in childhood. Um, and it's exactly what the, the, IMDb thing says, with the exception of Santa is also fallen on hard times. He's really disillusioned. There are too many bad kids, so he's not meeting his quota. He's in contract with the United States government, but they're not subsidizing him enough. It's it's basically like a blue collar Santa. He's on this ranch thing in Alaska, Um, not like a Christmas village. It's just like this working farm kind of thing. Mm-hmm. with a bunch of elves and subsidized by the American government, but he's not meeting his gift quota because kids are too bad. Okay. It was very funny. Yeah, and this yeah. is like a child's. If, if the first movie we watched Santa with muscles was an adult plot in a kid's told in a kid's way, this is almost like a kid's plot told in an adult way. Ah, uh, Okay. Because there's this like bratty little kid. He's like a little rich kid. His parents aren't around and he wants to get revenge on Santa. Hmm. You know, maybe and the, the way he becomes adult is obviously by killing and the language and stuff. But just like right. the plot is very goofy. Like, yeah, I can tell you little kids going to learn about friendly. Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so how 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 graphic is the action in this one? Uh, pretty graphic. Yeah. There is a part where, uh, Santa gets stabbed through the chest with a sword at oh, one wow. point. Uh, he goes to deliver presents, the, the Christmas, you know, it opens basically right around Christmas mm-hmm. and he comes back and there's just like, all of a sudden he's lifting up a shirt and cleaning out blood because kids were shooting at the sled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, well, sounds, sounds fun. It was really fun. What would you uh what would you rate Fat Man? I would give it a solid three five to four. Oh wow, okay. Cool. I'll have to check that out sometime. Uh, a lot of good Christmas movies. I can't believe this one slipped under my radar. My brother has been telling me to watch it for a year. And I was just okay. like, Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'll get to it next Christmas. <laughs> so I watched, I was kind of inspired by, I guess, like the 90s Christmas vibes. 
uh, criminals in Christmas. So I went with a movie starring everyone's favorite Nicolas Cage called Trapped in Paradise. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I really want to. I was really hoping you were going to watch Suburban Commando to see more of Hulk Hogan's work. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I wanted to stick with the Christmas vibe. So I did think about watching another Ooh. Jordan Belfort movie, but I went Wait, with there uh, are more. Yeah, he produced like six. Yep. What are his other tech shelters? I mean, movies. <laughs> Nothing that you would have heard of. But here, I'm going to go. I'm going to go before we get too far into Trapped in Paradise. Let me tell you, he produced eight films, Santa with Muscles, Secret Agent Club, Assault on Dome 4, Prey of the Jaguar, Skeletons, Fires, Firestorm, <laughs> Blood Money, and The Elevator. <laughs> wow. Yep, yep. Santa with Muscles, I guess, is the only one. Oh, Secret Agent Club also stars Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so keep that in mind. Maybe someday I'll... I'll want to watch one of those but put them all on the list yep today though it was trapped in paradise 1994 by george gallo like i said nicholas cage also starring john lovitz dana carvey so i'll give the brief plot um they are three brothers nicholas cage is like the kind of good brother and the other two are fresh out of prison and through some antics of the other two brothers, they are Nicholas Cage is kind of tricked and goaded into robbing a bank with them. It happens to be the bank at this small Pennsylvania town called Paradise, where everybody is good and wonderful and full of Christmas cheer. They rob the bank and then they can't seem to get out of the town to, with their loot. Um, and along the way, discover that, you know, maybe these people are all good and they have Christmas spirit and we shouldn't have stolen money from them, et cetera, et cetera. So womp, the problem womp. with this movie is uh, the problem with the movie is it just sucks. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> the script is bad. The there there are multiple plot threads happening, kind of like Santa with muscles, where you got like the one of the convicts from jail um, that has also escaped and is hunting down the three brothers because they robbed the bank he wanted to rob. Also, his daughter works at the bank, and Nicholas Cage is in love with her. And uh, also, they kidnap uh, the brother's mom. Uh, and What? It, it's, there's a lot going on. But it's one of those movies where all the plot events just kind of happen, and they're not really related to each other. Mm-hmm. And the direction is really poor. So it, you're watching things, and you're like, okay, that – the way that was staged, that would never happen. The way this chase was staged and how they, you know, drove a car off a bridge, that makes no sense. The how how this horse fell in the water, this is just they're just writing things and making them happen. Just it's bad. Um, John Lovitz is John Lovitz doing his John Lovitz thing, but Dana Carvey's character is like borderline unwatchable. He's like this kleptomaniac which has like a I don't know, some sort of personality disorder that he's always like, he has a well, weird his personality voice. disorder is that he's Dana Carvey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> his, his, he has this weird voice and just a weird way of speaking. And like, he's always like just sucking up energy off the screen and in, in a bad way. And I don't know if that was the writing or his, his way of playing this character or the way he was directed, but it, it does not work. Be all three. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these movies where you have comedians like Lovitz and Carvey who are used to performing live, they're both SNL guys. Um, I feel like a lot of that, it always comes out that these were ad-libbed or like the script was very loosely followed. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I've, I like, I've never been so hot and cold on someone as Dana Carvey, which I think is a weird thing to say, but sometimes Mm -hmm. like Wayne's world, love Wayne's world. Yeah, Wayne's World's great. Yes, uh, Master of Disguise, shoot me in the face. I never, <laughs> never want to see it. that again. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like his a lot of his skits are great, but this Church you know, Lady, this, so yeah. funny. Chopping broccoli, classic <laughs> song bit. Maybe if this character was like in a skit or something, but no, not for a whole movie. Very, very annoying. The um the one saving grace about the movie and why I rated it one and a half stars instead of 
you know, half a star or one star with Nicolas Cage because, you know, he's always fun to watch. And this movie, he is consistently just going crazy. The way he delivers dialogue is just like insane. <laughs> he, yeah. He'll just say like normal lines and like twitch and scream them and, and like in his Nick Cage way. And that, that is good to watch. I just wish it was in a better movie. Again, we should watch a supercut of just Nicolas Cage going being wacky in this movie. And I would Let's enjoy it. it immensely. <laughs> if that exists, I encourage someone to find it. If not, I'm going to make one. <laughs> Don't and, tease uh, me. Uh, yeah. So that, that is, um, that's all I can say. Not a great movie. It has full of Christmas spirit that was unearned and uh, full of Nick Cage going crazy, which I guess is, it's only redeeming. It's always earned. Yeah. Always earned. All right, so I think uh, maybe we should talk about what we're going to watch next episode. At least I want, I liked my movie. Yeah, that's true. You win this round. <laughs> so what are we going to watch next? Yeah, so should we should we uh, randomly roll off of our list here? If you have a yeah, tie, you're welcome it. to... Uh... I've only got D6s. Okay, now I'll roll. I got a D20 here with our name on it. Got 20 movies in front of me. Let's go for it. That is a six, which is Eraser oh. Reborn. Ooh, I don't know what that is. I think it might have been my. Um, so, yeah, Eraser Reborn 2022, John Pogue, U.S. Marshal Mason Pollard specializes in erasing people. This sounds familiar. <laughs> I guess it's like a <laughs> DTV sequel to Eraser, perhaps. <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, with the technology advances of the last 25 years, the game has upgraded and it's just another day in the office when he's assigned to a crime boss wife who's de- decided to turn state's evidence. So, yeah, this is basically Eraser, uh, a modern version without Arnold Schwarzenegger. So let's see how it wasn't goes. the original version a sci fi movie in the future. No, it was not. Oh, Eraser was just him. Uh, er- working for some government body trying to uh, erase people who were um, going to be put into witness protection program. Oh, I think I'm confusing Eraser with like the seventh day or sixth day or whatever that yeah, was. Yeah. Eraser is the one where he kicks a crocodile in the face <laughs> and he has Amazing. a giant gun at the end. That's like twice. Oh, the blows up houses. Yeah, yeah. That's why yeah. I'm. Yeah. That was kind of a sci-fi gun. Yeah, I think I'm mixing up the the plot of another Schwarzenegger classic with the gun from this one. Yep. Because it just like is is it supposed to be a rail gun, but it just like blows things up or something? I don't remember the details. It was just a cool looking gun that he, with his screen presence, was able to do cool <laughs> things with. <laughs> yeah. Well, this well, one we'll stars, see how uh, Dominic Sherwood. Dominic Sherwood is the. Uh, the eraser in this one. So we'll see how he does. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Me neither. He was in vampire Academy. <laughs> he looks like a tool. Oh, his eyes are different colors. That's cool. This movie is on HBO max. If anyone wants to follow along, uh, I guess we'll be talking about that next week. Can't wait. What we'll also be talking about next week is for me, at least Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Got my tickets. I'm all ready to go. Boo. <laughs> Are you not going to see it? Or I'm going to see it? it, but I'm going to make James Cameron sweat it out. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, that one <laughs> ticket of in America. <laughs> that was not sold. <laughs> he'll, he'll rue the day. I'll show him how dumb this sequel is. <laughs> oh man well i am super excited i mean you know it's the kind of thing you have to see in the theater yeah i just feel like the visuals movie. alone mm. but my god why <laughs> the most expensive movie who ever saw made. fern gully live action and was like you know what we need five more of these or four more of these or whatever well, I, i've learned to never bet against james cameron i love the avatar i'm ready i'm ready for more you did? Yeah, I really liked You're Avatar. The one? Yeah. I a lot of people like Avatar. I think I think there's a there's like a, a public uh, backlash against it because it was so successful. 
you know, how people hate things that are successful, but it's a really good movie. And I think most people agree with my side. I don't think so. All right. Well, I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think it's on IMDb or letterboxd? What do you think uh, it's so Letterbox is a scale box. of five, right? I'm, I'll say it's yeah. a three seven, and like a seven point six on IMDb. Okay, well, it's a three five on Letterboxd, and uh, the new one is even better. It's a seven point eight on IMDb. Man, I was close. Yep, and The Way of Water has a three point nine. Well, that's probably to be fair. That's probably trolls. What really? <laughs> what? Oh no, a three point nine on uh, Letterboxd. Oh, Sorry. oh, oh, out of five. So, I thought you were saying on IMDb the new one had a three point nine. <laughs> no, I hope not, because that would just be review bombing. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Well, whatever. It's 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 reviews. It ratings. It's an eight point one, but ratings don't matter too much. It's just, it's just. Uh, I'm excited to see it, and I. I just. I, I really hope. They sing under the sea. <laughs> well, I guess we could report back. At least I can report back next week. I won't spoil it for you or the viewers, but I will tell. I will tell you if they sing that song. <laughs> I hope like there had better be like at least a musical cue in the score at some point. <laughs> right, just like a little three note. Do 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 do. I guess right. that was four notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like a talking friggin' lobster or something. <laughs> Uh, all right well i think we can end on the the talking lobster note is there anything eric that you would like to plug nope i'm good well for me i you know i'd like to plug my new walton goggins reddit page okay (laughs) cool slash goggers (laughs) walton goggers Uh, we're we're goggenites goggenites (laughs) oh i'll have to check it out but for me, my name is Patrick. Follow along with Letterboxd, Long Monkey. Uh, check out my other projects at proleary.com. And I guess we will talk next episode. Eric, thank you as always. You're welcome, as never. And for the listeners, have a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>